Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. It is important to understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That's because your brand is different. The challenges you face in your life are different. So you need to stop reading other people's success stories and really start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by their success. Don't get me wrong, because their stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals. But remember, it's your planning and your committed effort that's going to get you there. My next guest is a person who's about planning. Committed effort and right direction, pointing you in the right direction. Here's Dr. Michael Eric Dyson. He's one of America's premier public intellectuals and author of over 20 books, including seven New York Times bestsellers. Dr. Dyson is a recipient of two NAACP Image Awards and the 2020 Langston Hughes Festival Medallion. Former President Barack Obama has noted, everybody who speaks after Michael Eric Dyson pales in comparison. His latest book, Long Time Coming, Reckoning with Race in America, is now a national bestseller. Dr. Dyson tells us about his latest book, Long Time Coming, and what compelled him to write this particular book during this time. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, my man, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson. Brother McDonald, man, it's always great to see you, hear you in that mellifluous language and that fluid articulation. I'm down with that, bro. Well, we, we've been together a long time, man. I'm with Steve Harvey and I, man, all the way back to L.A. days when, we, when you it's first true. came on our radar and uh, been, came on our show. Out. I saw you other uh, Noni, who's yeah. working for some other people. I've been working with her. So, I look, I'm, I'm just with the Steve Harvey alum over here, bro. There you go. There you go. Well, you know, I like to believe I had a little blessing on each one of them. They blessed me. And, uh, and more importantly, your information that you've given us. And I want to go right off the point. You know, 2020 has been an amazing racial year for us. You know, as African-American men, you know how we've always felt about the police from a standpoint of, of a strong level of uncomfortableness, you know. and But but it's seeing it play out in the public's eye. How would you say cell phones has played? Has cell phones really been the game changer in our pursuit of racial justice? There's no doubt about that. It's a great way to uh, characterize it. The Gutenberg shift introduced by the smartphone right. mm -hmm. in particular has changed the game. Now, you know, black folk in technology, we always doing stuff outside the box. Yes, yes. Uh, we had beepers before we knew doctors had beepers. Right, <laughs> yeah, 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 right, right. Mm -hmm. Oh, physicians have them too? Because the hood <laughs> is the one that had them, and mm -hmm. we knew what was up. Right. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they weren't just paging their girls. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, uh, we have always made ex exorbitant, extravagant use uh -huh. of available technology. Yes. And what we've done with the smartphone has been extraordinary to be able to record. I mean, right. when we captured in 1992, Rodney King, that was on a home video v recorder. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, but, a, but a portable one. Yes. Now with the smartphone, it's even more accessible. Everybody in their mama, grandmama, right. grandson, right. you know, cousin, uncle has a smartphone. Everybody wants to be Margaret Bourke White or, you know, Gordon Woods. Right. Uh, right. And, and so is there, or Deborah Willis. So the thing is, is that we're able to use that smartphone to record what we say is true. We've been telling y'all that the police act out of hand. We've been telling y'all that no matter what we do, they can cut the fool, as my daddy used to say. Right. They treat mm -hmm. you with disrespect. 
They will ignore you often. They will tr uh, ignore your humanity, your desire to be treated with equality. They mm -hmm. will be angry at you and resentful for you even having a backbone mm -hmm. or a voice. And mm -hmm. now these these video cameras have recorded it, whether sometimes it's on the body cams right. of some of these police people. But we can't really rely on that because they no, turn can't. them off and on mm -hmm. uh, when they want and they capture what they edit it in their own to their own advantage. Right. But the video recorder on the video camera on the smartphone has changed the game. George Floyd, Eric Garner, mm -hmm. Walter Scott, mm -hmm. um, Jacob Blake. Right. Sandra Bland. We we know well that was a recording from the uh, from the body cam, but we know that the the phone can change the game and make people see what we've seen, and at least throw a monkey wrench right. into the proceedings when people are trying to act like we were acting a fool. We were trying to run away from the police. We were trying to cuss them out. We were trying to shoot them. Right. All that has been put to rest. The smartphone is extraordinary. Now let's talk about this because you know when you when I'm reading your book, you know, because it's like five chapters, you know, titled mm -hmm. Black Death, Black Blue Plague, White Theft, Seeing Red, White Comfort. You know, mm -hmm. when you, you know, whenever I see a Henry Louis Gates Journey Junior, you know, documentary was on PBS. Uh, you know, whenever he gets to Dr. Martin Luther King, man, I can't watch that part, man. I don't. That's the part of history, man. Where I can't watch. I, I, I saw it this weekend when he was going to when he was. Got to that. He said, 1968, I turned off the TV. Now, now he, I may not get there with you. Yeah, that, I heard that. Seriously, I heard that part. I turned it off. I turned it off. Oh, now, I believe you. I when, believe you. Can I tell I, you something? I don't mm -hmm. even want to interrupt you, but given what you're saying, when I go to the Civil Rights Museum mm -hmm. in Memphis mm -hmm. and get to his room, Mm -hmm. Room 306, I cry like a baby every time, sir. It's, I, I can't, you know. And so uh, and the reason I bring that up, because when you start looking at uh, Emmett Till and Eric Garner, right. Breonna Taylor, and, you know, what happened to the 15-year-old out of Chicago, Pendleton, and that had nothing to do with uh, cop violence, but it was about, you know, black-on-black -black violence. And right. somehow how racial, that goes back to the 13th Amendment when you weren't right. really going to break it all the way down. Sandra Bland out of Houston, Texas area. How did you emotionally hold it together? That's the question I want to write. And I'm talking yeah. to Dr. Eric Michaels Dawson, his book, Long Time Coming, Reckoning with Race in America. Because you are a scholar, you're an intellectual, but you're still emotional. And you oh, see yeah. all this stuff lining up, you know, because what happens is a certain series of disbelief coming about when you go, really? I forgot about this. I forgot about this. Tell us about that emotional journey and putting this book together. No, that's a great point you're making. And look, obviously it was very difficult. Yes. Uh, black people are traumatized and we're re-traumatized. Mm -hmm. We are terrorized and we're terrorized again. Right. We are hurt and we're hurt again. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Having to watch this, having to go to see King's place where he was assassinated, mm -hmm. which, which gets me every time. Mm -hmm. It makes me cry like a baby. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people ask, well, why did you write the book the way you did? I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Because, as you said, I'm not just an intellectual. I'm not just a scholar. I'm a human being. I'm a black man. Right. Mm -hmm. When I see this stuff happening to black people, I have a choice. I have to choose how to present it. I have to choose how to articulate it. I have to choose how to express it. Mm -hmm. But I make a decision. Do I want to share the horror of what happened to George Floyd? Yes. Yes. Do I want to share the horror of what happened to Ahmaud Arbery? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to do it for sensational purposes. I don't want to turn it into the pornography of black death, right. where these are snuff films. The last few minutes of black life shown on a, a recording that none of us should see. Right. There's no question. Right. But at the same time, I figure if they could endure the death, 
if they could actually die, if they could sacrifice their lives, not intentionally, yeah. their, their, their purpose here on earth wasn't as far as they knew to amplify or to echo the extraordinary quest for black justice in our time. And yet, because of the nature of their death, that's exactly what happened. George Floyd said he wanted to change the world. Right. He didn't mean die and change the world. He didn't mean die and leave his daughter and other children behind. He didn't mean die uh, in an ignominious death where he was asphyxiated mm -hmm. by the cops on mm -hmm. a pavement street where they kept their knees on his neck for more than nine minutes. Right. But mm -hmm. because of how he died, mm -hmm. that transformed this culture and indeed shook the globe. So if they could endure the death, the least we could do is to grapple with the hurt, the pain, the trauma, so that when we watch it and see it and learn about it, we can say, we don't want this happening to anybody else. And let's make this the last time. That's the hope I have in trying to talk about what these people have been through in this book. Well, you styled it into letters, and and it really was, you know, when I when I started reading, like I already told you earlier, broken down into five chapters. But the letter, like Black Death, is tied to Emmett Till, and you, you story. Right. And it really was a very humane way of of, of sadness, like you know, or Sam Cooke. You know, change is going to come. I don't think so. Okay, and uh, we're going to be at the mountaintop. We'll see you on the other side. I don't think so. And that's what your book is trying to say. It's not to say it's sane, but can we make it to the mountaintop and look on the other side? Will change come, Dr. Dyson? Yeah, that's a great question. Not inevitably, yes. not automatically, mm -hmm. not if we don't do it. Right. To make it happen ourselves, not if we don't do the things that will make change happen. Mm -hmm. It won't happen because we wish it into existence. It won't happen because we hope it into existence. It won't even happen if we pray it into existence. Right. We got to practice it into existence. We got to operate it into existence. We got to act and do do real live, uh, you know, praxis, real live, you know, activity, social motion, social revolution social resistance. We got to get up and right. intend the world to be different. Mm -hmm. It will not change of its own. You and I must grapple with the means toward that end. Mm -hmm. And I do believe change can come, but only if we recognize that we've got to continue to raise our consciousness, raise our voices, and raise the awareness of the dominant culture and among ourselves right. of what things should be done, what things should be addressed, the mechanisms by which that change occurs and how we can continue to resist, link arms and aims, as Susan Taylor says, <laughs> with other like-minded people mm -hmm. to make a difference. In that sense, yes, I am hopeful, not optimistic. Optimism, as the Reinhold Niebuhr, the um, theologian said is, a, said, is a shallow virtue, but hope right. is deeper. Hope is something that you believe in, even when you can't see the evidence for it, right. you keep on moving forward. That's what I have. And I do believe that change will come. Sam Cook has told us that. Here's mm -hmm. something I've, I've heard this a lot. I've heard Tom Trump say this a lot. The word cancel is in your chapter four, seeing red, when you start talking about canceling culture, a culture cancellation. And Trump is saying that when you, when you get rid of the, uh, the, the, the Confederate statue, that's canceling our culture, denying, but then 
He doesn't let everybody know that we've been counseled all the way because that information about slavery and you know, how Jim Crow laws is counseled because they don't tell us about that because they don't want white people to be uncomfortable when they're sitting in the classroom talking about what their ancestors did to us. So we've lived a life of culture cancellation. What is That's your, so I, I, I feel I'm with the right man to ask this question. What is culture cancellation or canceling culture? That's a brilliant, brilliant analysis. <laughs> and we have certainly been canceled. You are so right. <laughs> yes. That's why I'm against cancel culture in our expression, yes. because white supremacy is cancel culture. Yes, it is. And I'm saying that cancel culture, even if we call it black Twitter or social media, look, mm-hmm. you might get a Bill Cosby, you might get a Harvey Weinstein, you might get an R. Kelly. Yes. But mm-hmm. for the most part, you're doing a lateral movement. You're doing peer to peer. And even some of the powerful people you go after because you dislike them. But to cancel another human being, that's a white supremacist fash, uh, mm-hmm. fantasy. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a delusion mm-hmm. that we can totally eviscerate or wipe out. Mm-hmm. Hold accountable, yes. Right. Make people responsible, yes. Mm-hmm. But to cancel them, if you make a mistake once you're done and gone, I right. believe if Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X were here today, they would be canceled. Somebody would be trying to cancel them yes, because right. of their faults, because of their failures, because mm-hmm. of their narrowness on some issues. Right. And yet these men did extraordinary things for us, the absence of which would make us far poorer in spirit and in racial achievement. So to me, I'm not meaning what Donald Trump is meaning. He's talking about cancel culture as pulling down them darn uh, Confederate flags and Mm -hmm. statues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, You know what? I'm all for that. I'm Mm -hmm. all for pulling them off the pedestal. Mm -hmm. That's not what I mean by cancel culture. Mm -hmm. His notion of cancel culture is the ability to continue to be demagogic and to be dictatorial and to be fascist and to be anti-just, anti-black, anti-brown, anti-indigenous, right. and to be exempt from social critique and moral responsibility. That ain't what I'm talking about. Right. I'm talking about the inclination to believe that your moral position is the only one that the way you deal with people with whom you disagree or who honestly make mistakes is to obliterate them, is to wipe them out so that they have no comeback. If they make one mistake, whether they're the governor of Virginia who appears in blackface, Mm -hmm. and if you cancel him, what would you have missed? The fact that he restored the voting rights of 10,000 ex-prisoners and returning citizens in Virginia, a a large proportion of whom were black. Uh, Mm -hmm. The stuff he did with Uh, public health, Mm -hmm. uh, and also the wealth disparities Mm -hmm. and some of the social justice issues there. If you cancel him, you cancel the opportunity Mm -hmm. to reorganize the logic of democracy in Virginia. So my thing is not to cancel people, hold them accountable, Mm -hmm. make them responsible. Yes, pay for your quote sins, but allow me a comeback. Mm-hmm. So I can say with, with LL, don't call it a comeback. <laughs> I've been here for years. Mama said, knock you out. Right. Let me have a chance to be redeemed, to be restored. Mm-hmm. I am not down with this evisceration, this eradication, this extirpation, this just wiping them out. Right. Because I disagree with you, whether it's about sexuality, whether it's about gender, whether it's about mm-hmm. race. I don't want to witch hunt through white America. Hey, 20 years ago, did you call somebody the N word? Right. Or did you do something wrong? I'm sure a lot of people did a lot of stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. Or when somebody's 13 years old and they say some ignorant stuff, and now here they are 5, 10, 15 years later trying to, you know, become a ball player or get drafted, and we go dig up some of the stupid stuff they said when they were 13. From their Twitter feed. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. 
And my thing is, I'm not saying don't hold people accountable for if you still feel the same thing at at 25 that you felt at 13 and it was racist yeah. and vicious. That's a different story. That's a different story. But if you evolve, if right. you've grown, mm -hmm. if you said some stuff when you were young that was dumb or you said some stuff that when you were younger yes. and now that you're more mature in a different position, you're willing to change your mind. Let's provide people the opportunity to grow and evolve. I believe with that. You know, the, in, in reading your book, and I'm talking to Dr. Eric Dice, Michael Eric Dyson, a long time coming, um, reckoning with a race in America. The thing that, it was two things in the book that really I, I, I was just taking aback at the detail, you know, in your book, how you timelined out, you know, George Floyd's murder, wow. how you timelined out the interactions between uh, uh, Amon Aubrey when he was hunted down, black man running in the neighborhood, you yes. know, uh, you know, the, the father and son and then the, the cameraman who said he was just there alone for the moment, but then he blocked his path. So right. what, I, what I'm telling you is this. You gave me information I didn't know, which right. is a brilliant uh, to understand because you realize that we need people like you to give us the additional details because the media is only going to give you a minute or 90 seconds, or a caption of what it is. This book gives you the details, especially on that Armand Aubrey. If you want to know exactly where we went down, you got to write, they got to buy your book, Michael. Because Thank your you, book, man. man, is like, I was like, wow, you know, you, I mean, from the time he got shot, then he got shot again, and then he hit him to try to fend himself off while he was being pursued, while he was being shot and attacked, how he was right. cut off by this quote unquote, I was just there to take film everything. I wasn't trying right. to stop him from escaping or trying right. to stop him from doing anything. Well, how did all this information come to you? And how did you think to detail it out like that? Because I'm telling you, it's brilliant because it, it opened my eyes and brought me emotionally back to the forefront. I got to know more. I need to know more. And this is a fantastic book. Well, first of all, I've talked to a lot of people on this book tour and you one of the very few to dig into that, to acknowledge that, to talk about that. And I thank you for reading the book thoroughly, my man. That's a beautiful thing, number one. Because everybody who's talking to you ain't read your book. And you have read it. Not only have you read it, you've read it thoroughly. Yes, sir. Um, and that's a real honor. And thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Yes, I wanted to lay that out. Look, I did the, quote, spade work. I did the shoe leather on the pavement kind of work. Mm -hmm. I went and dug up the facts. I listened to the transcripts. Um, of what was happening there. I looked at the film. I looked at the breakdown. I looked at the timing. Mm -hmm. I looked at what the father was doing. I looked at what they claimed that they were doing. Mm -hmm. But like you said, the witness, I'm just there <laughs> as an innocent party. No, you the third dude there. And you try to block my man from going any further. Yes, and then did. retroactively, mm -hmm. after the fact, ex post facto, mm -hmm. you try to, as my daddy would say, make like, you the darn hero, right? and you the one who made it possible for the film to get out in the world, but you know them other two white boys, are the father and son, are mad at him. Yes. Why in the hell are you recording this? Right. And that recording is essentially, it should mm -hmm. uh, clinch our conviction. Yes. It should yes. put us yes. in jail for the rest of our lives yes. because we hunted this man down like an animal. Mm -hmm. He was unarmed. He had no possibility of self-defense. He had committed no crime. And out of wanton disregard for his life and the stereotypical pursuit of a black man as an animal, they went and hunted him down and shot him and killed him. And I wanted every element of that 
to be brought to the fore, the detail to be rich so that people could understand exactly what went down. I'm telling you something. I, uh, again, because now I understand why he was, uh, you know, brought up on charges. Because at first, all I kept hearing was witness, witness. And then when they brought him up on charges, I really didn't understand why he brought right. up on charges. But then when you say he cut him off, which forced Armand Aubrey to go back towards the father and son duo who were pointing guns at him. And then they jumped out the truck, and that's when he was just fighting for his life after that. He was just that's fighting exactly for his life right. after that. And like then when you look at man. and then when you laid down the detail on George Floyd, you know, one was on his neck, one was on his back, and one right. was on his legs. Yes. That type of detail really allowed me to appreciate, you know, your, 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 the ability to tell your story. You're a great storyteller. You're a great story. We need great storytellers because of the fact that Great storytelling is tied to great facts and great information. And you delivered a tremendous amount of information that uplifted me, opened my eyes, and also allowed me to be able to share this book with other of my fans, my family members, my daughter, and people right. who know, need to understand. I just love the way you told the story and tied it to an individual who's been traumatized. They traumatized to the point that they were killed by a transactional, whether it was tied to the police or community gang violence type situation that happened to the 15-year-old out of Chicago, a young lady by the name of Pelton, who all knew was a scholar, student, and all that, and her life was snuffed out. And your beauty of this story is like the what if. Right, right. The what yes, if. Yes, sir. No. Thank you again. The close reading that John <laughs> McDonald was doing here is an object lesson in critique Criticism and engagement with a book, man. This is what this is what authors like live for. That somebody takes them seriously. You ain't got to agree with me. Just read what the heck I said. And, and I don't even care if you argue with me. Argue based on the facts of what you read, and that's right. what you're doing, man. Right. Thank you so much. And yes, I wanted to talk about both hands. Right. Mm -hmm. With Hadia Pendleton, I wanted to talk about. Now, we know it's really called neighbor-to-neighbor -neighbor violence because yes. people mm -hmm. kill where they live. Mm -hmm. 93% of black people who are killed are killed by black people, but 84% of white people mm -hmm. who are killed are killed by white people. Yes. So we mm -hmm. ain't got no, oh, my God, white and white crime is going to drive white America into the doldrums and create catastrophe. Mm -hmm. People kill where they live. They don't get on no bus and take no tram and take no train mm -hmm. uh, out to kill nobody. They're right. killing right where they are because that's where the drama is. Right. That's where the trauma is. That's where the hurt is. Right. That's where the beef is. Right. And so she was mistaken for a gang member, mm -hmm. right? They shot into the crowd, shot her in the back. Mm -hmm. One of them shot her. The other one drove the getaway car and she was killed. Three mm -hmm. lives lost. Two yes. of them are serving life in prison. Yes. And Hadia Pendleton is lost. Yes. And that is the tragedy I wanted to speak about to illuminate the context of cancel culture. Because mm -hmm. I draw a parallel between us snuffing out our own mm -hmm. in the radius of our intimacy, where mm -hmm. our kinfolk are, mm -hmm. that ends up hurting and harming them, and the way in which cancel culture operates to destroy communities, well, destroy careers and destroy human beings based upon the digital lynch mob. Yes. Going out, getting like they used to, when they went, you mentioned Emmett Till, when they hung him and murdered him. Mm -hmm. It's a digital version yes. of that lynch mob going yes. on. And I wanted to address that in as honest and as straightforward a way as possible. Well, thank you, Michael, uh, for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for giving me a book to read. Uh, you know, uh, this is my new show. Uh, 
I'm going to have a, a little table I'm going to put back here, and it's going to be one of the books. I'm going to keep my favorites on that two seconds. So if anybody says, I think I saw Rashad's show, and he had your book sitting behind him. Look here, man, man. You got a bunch of books behind him. I'm going to have a few selected ones I think that I call Game Changers. This is a Game Changer. Thank you for coming on my show, Michael. Thank you for having me. You're one of the great figures in our community and in our culture. You've been out here for you a long distance runner. You ain't no sprinter. And I appreciate the long distance run that you've made, my brother. And thank you for having me on the show. And keep winning at Vanderbilt University, okay? Thank you, my brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. We talk soon. Bye-bye. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'll be your host.